Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Hey, Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Been very busy working on stuff this week. I actually have an article coming out in the next couple of days that's going to be uh, some helpful resources. And I'm working on a report that I might end up doing a video on instead of writing because I'm finding writing to be very exhausting for me these days. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Yeah, after the report I just wrote, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. It is a beast and we're going over that bad boy after we go over some other things. Yeah, we got a few topics um up front and then I think we'll spend kind of the majority of the time talking about this report I just put out called Chinese influence and espionage new links between Biden and Clinton corruption. So, but before that, up front we have a few things we're going to get into. Yes, Name, namely, so I'm up front, we're going to talk about your solution series. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into uh, Maui and uh, a court case in Montana and a few other things going on. So uh, we had our finale of the 24 episode one year long solution series uh, with myself and uh, my co-host James White. Uh, and the wonderful Solari team. So that was a super fun, awesome series to do. Uh, and if you scroll down, Edge, you'll see the last episode we did was with Catherine Austin Fitz and Ricardo Oscom, which is about building wealth. But I, but you know, people hear that and they think, oh, money. What does it matter? Da, 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 da. But building wealth is not just about money you know it's it's building security for your family building wealth with the community um building systems that where we don't have to be you know we can be self-reliant and so um unfortunately in the world we live in it does require money for that so but it's there are really exceptional tools that they put together and so subscribers to the solution series have a special password to get access to those tools. And it's really cool because it's like this giant buffet of six pillars and you can work through, through them at your own pace. So definitely check that one out. And then um, I just, you know, I just want to give a shout out and thanks to all of our awesome guests. Um, if you're on the main page and you just quickly do a scroll down edge, we've had uh, phenomenal phenomenal people on well we just had john clara on a few weeks back as well so check that out and um yeah, yeah. a lot of kind awesome of, guests. kind of sad to see that come to an end but uh you know there'll be other series i'm already my wheels are already spinning on some things so so we'll see what shakes out yeah you guys had some awesome guests on there with like really good information and uh, information that's really you could put to practical use, you know, mm -hmm. not just, you know, um, this is what I think or this, you know, right. but this is how I did it. And this is how you can do it, too. Um, yep. And, and that was that was my intention through the whole time, you know, mine and James to seek out people who have hands on experience with things that they've done where they're proven solutions and then bring that to people, you know, and it covers everything from from various health related to, um, gosh, you know, activism, fighting for your rights, farming, gardening, uh, building wealth. Uh, there's a whole bunch of topics in there. Yeah, all cool. all very relevant to today. 
like yeah. navigating this crazy world that we're in today, you know? That's right. When a large portion of the population doesn't even want to admit the reality that we're in, these people are so far ahead of the curve that they're already, they've already have experience, a wealth of knowledge on how to navigate what's going on today. Right, right. So even if you're not a subscriber, go in, read the short articles, watch the preview, grab the links. Um, underneath the articles so you know you can you can gain a lot just from that uh and james and i are actually working on something with this too so we might bring out a couple little volumes here but meanwhile over in uh maui not not so good our our heart and prayer go out to everyone that has gosh had to endure that I have friends who had good friends over there where they were, you know, trying like heck to reach out to them and make sure they were safe. And it's just, it's just horrific. And a lot of people have been reporting on this, uh, really graceful, put out uh, two part videos on it, uh, with some good information. Greg Reese did, uh, Aaron Elizabeth is putting out information. Tons of people are covering it. And, you know, of course, there's also video footage from locals there and people speaking out, trying to say what's really going on, because it's just terrible. Meanwhile, there's a complete mainstream media blackout and an Mm -hmm. information, quote, lockdown in Lahaina. They are really trying to clamp down on the narrative of what actually is happening in Maui. Yeah, it's awful. And the governor, you know, one of the concerns, because I know people were talking about, well, they mentioned they wanted to be the first to do a 15 minute city and this and that. And so everyone was concerned about the land grabs. And so the governor, Josh Green, comes out warning developers from the mainland, saying that, uh, you know, he's considering acquiring land in Lahaina to protect it for our local people so it's not stolen by people on the mainland. And Well, I don't know how people feel about that. And uh, I haven't dug deep into Josh Green myself, but that just doesn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling. No, not at all. Not at all. This government has been shown malfeasance at every single level, state, local, federal level has been completely not only incompetent but uh malicious in yeah, the no way that they have going off turning them around at the road no uh you know and and a lot of this is is not just coming from locals like we have the hard facts coming straight from the top admitting the alarms weren't going off you know the fires were put out and then the firemen left but then they started again And, uh, well, they ran out of water in the fire hydrants and I mean, all kinds of stuff. And then the locals saying that they're not allowing them to get aid through there. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know our listeners know this, but people need to be very careful of who and where they're donating to and make sure it's going to the right people. I'm sure, I'm sure people have seen videos of people on boats trying to bring in, um, you know, care packages and and supplies and whatnot to help them out because they can't get around it the other way, the other routes. So, because they're not allowed. 
And I think the whole reason behind this, infor quote, information lockdown is because the government knows that they're, they're, they have blood on their hands. Oh, their, yeah. The body count is going to end up being exponentially larger than it is today. I think it's over a hundred so far, but they just have a small fraction um, as far as the, the, the land and the, the area that they have covered and confirmed bodies and, and, and identified bodies and that sort of a thing. But it is going to be exponentially larger. They know that and they're terrified of the, the lashback that they're going to get from the locals because of the fact that what you just mentioned, the failure. I don't even think it was a failure. I would think it was intentional. That's my belief of not having – no alarm systems at all. There, right. A lot of those bodies are going to end up being children, children, right. infants, families, whole families wiped out with no warning. Their phone systems weren't working. Nothing. No text warnings at all. Nothing like that. No emergency services. No firemen, policemen going door to door. Nothing. Nothing. And yeah, unbelievable. And, and suddenly the water, they don't even have water to be able to try to put water out on their own property. Um, it, it's at every I single can't level. Even imagine, cannot even imagine. And, you know, we don't we don't know for certain yet, but I've seen some mentions coming out that there could have been between 500 and 1000 children, but we don't we don't know. So I, I, I hate to say things like that. It's so disturbing. Um, but it, it should but make your blood boil. I yeah, mean, right. Mm -hmm. Based on everything else, you know, I I would not be shocked by that. Oh, and I don't know, you know, I didn't have time. The first thing I always do when when new events arise is I go into the history, especially with something like this. Well, when's the last time, you know, Maui saw drastic fires? How long has it been? How bad were the fires? I know we're looking at it and we're all going, my God, this looks just like, uh, I think it was Paradise in California. Wasn't it called Paradise, I think? Oh, that, I remember the fire that you're it talking like, about. Yeah, it was like three years ago and it looked like just, it was just incinerated. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and again, and, and here's the common theme. These, these so-called environmentalists fail to take care of the land that's what happened in california they could have cleared brush in california right. with these brush fires they could have done the same thing in hawaii i've know i've heard from people uh, that live in that area that said there was there was sugarcane land that went completely unused and just allowed for all of this you know grassland to 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 build up and and die out and right. just be just be very um uh, uh, capable of of uh, you know having a very fast and and violent fire brush through there um just because of the failure to miss to manage the land properly and and so it's always these environmentalists that are behind it you know they claim yeah. to care yeah. about the environment and they're not taking care of it Right. No, this is, yeah, I mean, negligence or intentional. Either way, there's a fine line there. Yeah. And what are what are the odds, uh, you know, the, about the police chief being the same yeah, that's character insane. involved in the Las Vegas shooting? I mean, it's there's so many different connections, so many different areas to explore with the way this whole Hawaii fire went down or Maui fire went down. It, it's insane. 
I just, you know, and I think one of the most upsetting things is the tweet that Biden put out. Um, well, not Biden, but you know, yeah, apparently uh, that intentionally, Janine, yeah, JKP phrase, <laughs> intentionally put the phrase "laser focused" in there just because they knew, because that's what they do. They play with people, and they just wanted to get everyone spinning about the lasers. And then uh, that they're laser focused on helping the people of Maui and that they're going to give them oh one time if they, if they, I think they have to like apply with FINA, register all their information and they'll get a one time $700 check, which is a big smack in the face. It's absolutely disgusting. It's like comparable to when, when they said, oh, everybody locked down your businesses. No one can earn a living for the next year or so. Um, but we're going to send you $1,200 so we can gather all your data and information and make it look like we're do- doing something good while we give billions to other countries, including Ukraine. Right. It's absolutely disgusting. If Insulting. that isn't a wake-up call for people, I don't absolutely. know what it- Absolutely. It, it's, it looks kind of like a a beta test for climate, you know, for climate alarmism and the way that they want to kind of push um, universal basic income or, um, you know, digital IDs through, through climate. Like we're going to have all these sudden climate emergencies where everything gets locked down and you have to submit your information to get your, your Mm -hmm. check from the government because your government, your, your business has been burned down or your, you know, your. It's coming. It's coming fast and hard. In fact, if you go to the article on uh, over in Montana, we just had a case. um, John Carter brought this to my attention. Thanks, John. He says, here we go. So young environmental activists prevail in first of its kind climate change trial in Montana. Now I got, well, I'm still waiting on confirmation, but I may have a buddy who's going to be uh, interviewing the AG uh, pertaining to this case. And if so, I will share that link. So uh, basically what, what we have here, and this is crazy, I'm going to bounce around this article for a minute because we've got <laughs> attorneys for the 16 plaintiffs ranging in age from five to 22. Okay, these are the plaintiffs. A bunch of brainwashed Greta Thunbergs presented evidence during the two week trial that increasing carbon dioxide emissions are driving hotter temperatures, more drought and wildfires and decreased snowpack. And well, Claire Velasquez, however you say her name, who's 17 years old, she's one of the plaintiffs, is very upset because she's a ski instructor. So that's, you know, that's impacting her life. So at any rate, what they did is, <clears throat> this is crazy, especially in Montana of all places, which is, you know, primarily Republican, but we've got uh, young environmental activists scored what experts described as a groundbreaking legal victory Monday when a Montana judge said state agencies were violating their constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment by allowing fossil fuel development. This ruling is the first of its kind trial in the U.S. It adds to a smaller number of legal decisions around the world that have established a government duty to protect citizens from climate change. So if this uh, ruling stands, of course, it'll set a precedent. Though experts said the immediate impacts are limited and state officials pledged to seek to overturn the decision on appeal. Uh, This judge is a real doozy. Uh, District Court Judge Kathy Seeley found the policy the state uses in evaluating requests for fossil fuel permits 
which does not allow agencies to look at greenhouse gas emissions, is unconstitutional. And here's what's so funny about this. There is no damn proven science. I don't care what they say. It's There's so much more proven against the hoax than there is for the hoax. And there's there's no there's no like legal basis or scientific basis in this. And yet you have this judge saying, oh, well, we need to make this legal. So, so basically uh, a Harvard law school professor says it marks the first time a U.S. court has ruled against a government for violating a constitutional right based on climate change. Now this is state constitution. They all, they're all, you know, different states vary. In fact, they say only a few states, including Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and New York have constitutions with similar environmental protections. So state constitutions, they're going to start messing with those. You can bet your ass. Uh, This is not, you know, federal level. Um, Regardless, it's, this is this is the tactic of the Democrats. OK, this yes. is the tactic of the Biden regime and what we're seeing play out with the whole Trump indictments. OK, they're mm-hmm. using lawfare to circumvent the Constitution, to circumvent the legislative branch and all of these checks and balances. OK, and um, that is what they've been doing at the EPA and, and the DOE. This is what they do. It's it's um, it's. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's, um, oh, controlled opposition, because what they are doing is they're getting their climate activist friends mm-hmm. in like these, to like, train these kids. and groom the kids and the college students to be their little activists. And then the attorneys swoop in and say, you can be a hero. You want to be a hero? Come join us. They even got Native Americans in on this, which blows my mind, saying that, uh, they spoke up too, saying how climate change is affecting them. Right. And so then what they do is these nonprofits and these organizations, they file the lawsuit and see the government in on it. So it's like a, a show trial because they're conspiring together towards the same end, which is to make changes, governmental changes by circumventing like, like normal procedures in government, right? And constitutions right. and stuff. And they're doing it only in Democrat run states like you see these same indictments playing out with against trump they're not going to do it in a red state they're going to do it in 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 friendly ground uh, right. where well, they know they're going to have is... the judge uh, you know a, a compromised judge who's going to uh, you know over, oversee the whole court show trial this took place in montana though which is primarily republican so they're even saying you know this is uh they're saying it's up to the Montana legislator to determine how to bring the state's policies into compliance. That leaves slim chances for prompt changes in a fossil fuel friendly state where Republicans dominate the state house. Uh, how, but I just want to point out a couple things here. So the judge rejected the state's argument that Montana's emissions are insignificant, saying that uh, they were a substantial factor in climate change. This is a judge saying this. Uh, so they're a producer of coal and uh, large oil and gas reserves. And the organization, let's see. So since its founding, our Children's Trust has raised more than $20 million to press its lawsuits in state and federal court. No, I have not had a chance to, because uh, I just saw this yesterday, I have not had a chance to um, dig into that and see who's funding it. But we could probably guess. 
you know, and so this is going to be going on in other states. People need to stay on top of their state constitutions and see what's playing out there. But all of this is going to feed into them changing their policies, setting more control mechanisms in place. It's it's going to be a like, <laughs> remember when Project Veritas came out with the videos um, on, uh, I think it was CNN, someone from CNN saying how they're going to, this next push is going to be climate change really, really hard. Well, they weren't kidding. No. I mean, we are just getting hammered by this and we're seeing how it, how it's going to play out. Lots of climate mm -hmm. emergencies, which turn out to actually, actually be, uh, not nothing to do with climate, but malfeasance right. and malevolence. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't want to say, um, I know everything about what happened in Maui, but there's a lot of suspicion about how how that whole thing went down. Um, yeah. I think we can expect more things like that and to raise this climate alarmism, right? Oh, yeah. uh, while same, simultaneously seeing this campaign on all fronts um, to accomplish their goals through lawfare, through getting their friends and, and nonprofits and non-governmental organizations to sue the government so that the government is enforced to comply because of the lawsuit and change laws and standards and circumvent the whole legislative branch, circumvent constitutions of states. Right, all of it, all of it. In fact, shortly after Biden announced the whole hazard alert, which will become the climate change alert, um, Arizona rolled out, a friend of mine texted me from there, rolled out a uh, state emergency under climate change because of the heat. So my thinking is, okay, are they going to derive some level of federal funding from this when they declare this state of emergency or what all is this now going to entail? So right. did you hear about that? Um, we talked a bit but last week about this like new heat advisory thing that by agenda that Biden right. is using. But the state of emergency that, that Arizona is called, declared it a state of emergency because of the heat. No, no, I, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, so I don't know where all that's going, but, um, so so moving on because your report is massive. Um, we have Tom McDonald and uh Adam Calhoun put out the new song "Your America," and we're not going to play it because we have a lot to cover today. But just wanted to uh, give a little hat tip to them because it's a fantastic song. So if you haven't heard it yet, check it out. Also, I saw the series uh, 1883, and I know you've seen it too, Edge, and I just want to say that that was a very moving, excellent writers, superb acting. Um, I just thought that was a, a phenomenal series, and there were some some quotes from it. I just thought that the, the writing was really fantastic, and my favorite quote from it, just because it, it resonated with me, and I really miss my horses, uh, is when Elsa Dutton was riding a horse and uh, in the, I believe in the sunset. And she said, freedom to most it is an idea, an abstract thought that pertains to control. That's not freedom. That's independence. Freedom is riding wild over untamed land with no notion. Any moment exists beyond the one you are living. I absolutely love that. 
Yeah, that's a great show. I loved 1883. I loved that whole series. It was really well done. Yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, you've got the battles and the fighting, but you see the people coming together. You see them working with some of the Native Americans. Um, it was it was hardcore. It was rough and raw. And uh, I mean, just excellent acting by every single person in it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good. And uh, speaking of the Tom McDonald, there's a lot of really good artists coming out um these days and 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 really resonating with the public like having a grassroots support behind him like the guy and i think his name is oliver who just became a sensation overnight oh, yeah, I saw that. with I rich saw that. men uh north of richmond that was fantastic mm-hmm. i mean it's because it's because you know the the struggle is so real and everything oh. around us is so fake so such a just a fake you know fake news fake media fake everything or fake crises right fake government Not everything fake, but is manufactured everything's manufactured and so when you see something that's authentic and raw and really just mm-hmm. strikes a chord with the people that are they're gravitating towards it and i just love to see yeah. that absolutely yeah all right so let's let's get into your report i'm anxious to uh go through this too um because you (laughs) we were talking about it as you were working on it i'm like oh oh oh." and so yeah there's some good stuff in here you you made some good connections and uh thanks yeah It, it took me a while to put this thing together um and the reason why I wrote this report was because I had stumbled upon some really striking similarities between the Chinese spy ring associated with the Bidens, known as CEFC, and the Chinese entity that allegedly accessed Hillary's emails. And the more I dug into it, the more evidence corroborate, corroborated the theory that they're one and the same. And Mm -hmm. the significance of this could mean that this could wrap the Clintons into the investigation of the Bidens. But more importantly, this could mean that the crimes expand well beyond pay to play and bribery Mm -hmm. schemes into espionage and treason. And so in this report, I've outlined numerous intersecting scandals, FBI cover-ups, key players, locations, and timelines um, to show how this wasn't just the Biden's operation. This was actually a Clinton operation dating back to the 1990s and continuing to today. Yeah. And I created this sort of mind map. I don't know if it makes sense to other people as much as it does to me. It was a helpful <laughs> visual aid for me. Well, and it's great because we set it up as a PDF so people can download it. Right, right. And so as you read through this report, you can kind of visualize it through this visual aid. Um, and I can ke- kind of keep it up as I'm going through the different segments of my report. So yeah, you but, can have but that. scroll down and around so people can see the full thing because you're only showing like a yeah, small yeah. Of it. So it's- yeah, if I if I back out, you can see it's it's a giant web, and you can zoom into it and really kind of break it down but also see how they interconnect. And so, um, you know, I have everything in here from 
you know, the Bidens and Hunter Biden's laptop and that whole bribery scheme and how that interconnects with very uh, various other things like the UN bribery scandal. And down here I have the Clintons and their scandals and how those all interconnect with the Biden scandals, uh, with key players um, among these, you know, that keep coming up, keep popping up, common themes and and players, China like, being very central. Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in this report, um, I the first section of this report, I get into how both Hunter Biden and um, and Hillary Clinton, um, how Hunter Biden's laptop and Hillary Clinton's emails point to a single Chinese campaign to identify and arrest and assassinate U.S. spies inside China. We know Patrick Ho, the CEFC executive who was the head of the nonprofit cutout, was the spy chief of China based on Hunter's own words. And I can play that clip if you'd like to hear it and get a little reminder. I I think we should play all the clips in this because they're all very short and I think they're important. Okay. I get calls from my father to tell me that the New York Times is calling, but my old partner, Eric, who literally has done me harm for I don't know how long, is the one taking the calls because my father will not stop sending the calls to Eric. I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrick Coe, the fucking spy chief of China, who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion, founded. It is now missing. The richest man in the world is missing, who was my partner. He was missing since I last saw him in his $58 million apartment and signed a $4 billion deal to build the fucking largest fucking LNG port in the world. And I am receiving calls from the Southern District of New York, from the US Attorney himself, my best friend in business, Devin, has named me as a witness without telling me. In a criminal case, and my father, without telling me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Just the, his voice. Oh. The, the, the poor boy. He's oh, such a yes. victim. Yes. Goodness. Yes. You can tell he's panicked in that clip. Oh, yeah. He's- freaking out mm-hmm. yeah but so that was just to kind of remind you of who we're dealing with the spy chief of china mm-hmm. who is the head of this front organization cefc's non-governmental uh, organization called china energy fund committee and china energy fund committee was founded or established in 2010, the same year in which China began to successfully identify, arrest, and assassinate U.S. spies. Let me just ask you something. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's likely that the spy chief of China, who was running a nonprofit front group in the U.S. at the time, would have known and been 
intimately involved in one of the largest intelligence breaches in CIA history? Oh, I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, I think to me, it's an inconceivable <laughs> to me that the spy chief of China wouldn't have at least known about, but most likely been directly involved in an operation right. that important. 100%. And so this is why I think that Hunter was freaking out. In fact, he wrote a message to Halle Biden shortly after the head of CEFC, Yi Jingming, disappeared. And uh, the head of China Energy Fund Committee, Patrick Ho, um, was convicted. And in this message he wrote um, to, to Halley, he, he mentioned the Chinese operation to identify and kill U.S. spies in the same breath as his concerns that the public would find out about his family's ties to CEFC executives. And I believe that Hunter knew that CEFC had something to do with this operation because otherwise, why would he have mentioned it? So he right. wrote to Hunter, to, to Halle Biden, Hunter wrote, I'm dealing with the aftermath of the abduction and likely assassination. That's what the New York Times suspects of my business partner, the richest man in the world, the arrest and conviction of my of my client, the chief of intelligence of the People's Republic of China by the U.S. government, the retaliation of the Chinese and the ouster and arrest of U.S. suspected CIA operatives inside China my suspected involvement in brokering a deal with Vladimir Putin directly for the largest sale of oil gas ass assets inside Russia to China and dad's running for president. So I, I, put, I put into bold that one um, specific segment where he's talking about the ouster and arrest of U.S. suspected CIA operatives inside China. Why would Hunter talk about that in this context? And the thing to, that I, that it com keeps coming back to me is that um, Hunter, I, it, I don't think that Hunter had anything directly to do with it because this was back between 2010 and 2012. I think that Hunter, what he's likely saying here is that CEFC executives, namely the spy chief of China, Patrick Ho, had something to do with it and that Hunter right. was worried about this getting out because of his family's ties to CEFC. Right. Yeah. So and the, so and then it goes on because the timing of this intelligence breach also coincides with the alleged breach of Hillary's emails by a Chinese entity, according to ICIG investigators, the, uh, the, invest, the intelligence community um, inspector general's office. So this um, the ICIG investigators identified what looked like real time copies of Hillary's emails being sent to a Chinese entity that um, that was receiving these emails um, through a dummy email address embedded into the metadata of nearly all her emails. And the FBI, although they did cover up this whole scandal, of course, but the FBI did confirm that emails in that dummy email address that ICIG investigators linked back to a Chinese entity, that those emails started appearing in that dummy email account as of, uh, as of October 2010. Right. And that's the same time frame in which CEFC's nonprofit front group was formed and the same time frame in which China ident started to identify U.S. assets. Mm -hmm. 
I don't find this to be a coincidence at all. Um, Nor do I, especially when you get into the locations. Yes, exactly. And we're going to get into that in just a second. The FBI also confirmed that the emails contained top secret special access program information that put sources, methods, and lives at risk. So I think it's very likely, and this is this is not the new part of the information. I mean, this has been going on for years, we've suspected, the breach of Hillary's emails to be connected to the, China's ability to identify and assassinate U.S. spies between 2010 and 2012. The right. new information and the new connection is that I believe there's a substantial amount of evidence to indicate that CEFC, China Energy Fund Committee, Patrick Ho, were the entity or were connected to the entity that accessed Hillary's emails. Yeah. And that Hunter knew it because why else would he talk about it in that message to Halle Biden? Right. But here's where it gets really interesting. And what you just brought up is the locations and the timelines. So in August of 2018, Daily Caller put out this report that launched a firestorm The report stated that sources in the intelligence community were aware that a Chinese entity did have access to Clinton's emails and that that Chinese entity was, quote, a known Chinese public company that was involved in collecting intelligence for China. Sound familiar? Yeah. And they gave another nugget of information. This front group was operating in, quote, the northern Virginia suburbs. And the sources said that the intelligence community knew the name of this Chinese company, but would be in a lot of of trouble if they divulged the name. Now, why would they be in trouble for divulging the name? (laughs) And they said that they were aware of other cutouts of this Chinese company, like non-governmental organizations, for example, right. that may have accessed Hillary's emails. By comparison, the intelligence community was well aware that Patrick Ho was a spy, and CEFC, as well as their nonprofit cutout, were a front group for Chinese intelligence since at least 2016, when the FBI began to ca- this counter-espionage probe of Patrick Ho. So far, this fits the description of the Chinese company that breached Hillary's email to a T. But there's more because of the timelines and locations lining up as well. So the whistleblowers who leaked this information to the Daily Caller said that the Chinese company that compromised Hillary's emails was operating in the Northern Virginia, uh, in Northern Virginia, and um, in the suburbs of Northern Virginia more specifically. And if you look at the addresses of China Energy Fund Committee in Virginia, there are two addresses. Um, Patrick Ho, the spy chief of China's office, was in Arlington at 1100 Wilson Boulevard. And then they had um, they were incorporated out of Reston, Virginia, on Sunset Hills Road. Both of these locations could be described as residential areas. Um, the Arlington office is surrounded by high-end condos and apartments, whereas the rest in Virginia location is in the suburbs. And so the description of the location or locations is a match to the Chinese front organization 
that um, allegedly accessed Hillary's email. But what's more interesting is that Patrick's Ho's main office in Arlington at 1100 Wilson Boulevard was just right next door to the State Department. Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? Very interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it's, there's so many things that line up. Um, and then when you get into the timelines, Again, as I said, China Energy Fund, Fund Committee, this front group for Chinese intelligence was established in 2010, the same year uh, that Hillary's emails began to be copied in real time to a dummy email address. Uh, Patrick Ho officially became the head of China Energy Fund Committee that next year in 2011. I get into more in the report, um, the FBI's narrative of this so-called this email and how they attributed it to Paul Cambetta, the IT administrator, but that there's confliction in the timelines that the FBI provided in their official narrative. And I'll, you know, I get more into that in the report, and I'm not going to get into all of that right now here. Um, but just know if you want for more information on that, like, wait, what, you know, why does this, you know, I, I thought Paul Cambetta set up the email account. Well, that's what the FBI narrative is. Paul Cambetta was said to have set up the email account in 2012. That does not line up with the 2010 emails that were actually in that email account. Mm -hmm. Paul Cambetta deleted those all of the emails in that in that archive using Bleachbit. Um, a lot of the devices were destroyed. Remember, um, so the FBI and their fake investigation wasn't able to recover all of the information they needed for their investigation, but still asserted that there, that her emails weren't compromised by a Chinese entity. And Paul Gambetta yeah. ended up getting full immunity, even though he lied to investigators. So I'm not buying Paul, the Paul Gambetta story at all. Mm -mm. But all of this, as far as the timelines, locations, and other evidence really seems far beyond coincidence to me. And remember, it was really the cover-up of Hillary's emails that started this whole downward spiral that we're still on today, from the Russia hoax to the indictments that we're seeing uh, against Trump right now. All of it has been an attempt by the deep state actors in the government and the intelligence community to prevent this information from getting out about the real criminals in the government and the real conspiracy to take down America from within, despite this, you know, this fake conspiracy that they're trying to lodge against Trump. Right. And uh, so some may think that this information that lines up between CEFC, China Energy Fund Committee, Hillary's emails, and China's identification and assassination of U.S. spies is just coincidence. But when you look at several other scandals between the Bidens and Clintons involving Chinese influence and espionage, and there are many, um, mm -hmm. you see a pattern. That's because it's the same operation. We've got to stop thinking about it as just the Biden crime family's operation. The Clintons were heavily involved. And actually, this operation predates the Bidens, who were later brought into it. A lot of what we're seeing now um, stems from, you know, with this Biden pay for play, goes back to Clinton's China Gate. 
And that's why I need to, to direct people to really studying China Gate because they would understand what's happening right now so much more. It's just a replay. It's the 2.0 of the Clinton's China Gate and is involving a lot of the same players. So a lot of what we're seeing now is um, the same the same players involved reemerging um, from China Gate to play significant roles in Biden's play, pay to play scheme. And I'll give you some examples. Um, but another theme that keeps popping up between the Clinton's China Gate and Biden's pay to play are two locations, Little Rock, Arkansas and the U.S. Commerce Department. These are both hmm. hotbeds. OK, so Little Rock, Arkansas, everybody knows Arkansas, the Clintons, Little Rock, ton, right. tons of stuff, shady, shady stuff. Little Rock was a hotbed of activity for Clinton's China Gate scandal in the 90s. China Gate was the equivalent to the Biden's pay to play scheme that's playing out now. Back then, the Clintons were selling access and influence in exchange for donation to Clinton's 1996 campaign. So the schemes kind of started out of Little Rock at Worthen Bank, uh, which con was controlled by the Riotti family, who has really close ties to the Chinese intelligence. And several key figures from that Worthen Bank Little Rock Circle when, were placed in roles with access to classified information, and they were steering mi millions uh, to Clinton's, uh, to the DNC for from, from illegal foreign donors, namely from China. And we're expected to believe that it's just a coincidence that the Biden's bag man Rob Walker, seen here on the screen, who was also from Little Rock, was a key campaign aide for the Clintons during China Gate. So, no. yes, <laughs> yes. So he got his start during the Clintons, China Gate, as a key campaign aide, as millions are being funneled by China. Um, to the Clintons and the DNC, here Rob Walker reemerges to be the bagman for the Bidens in the China Gate 2.0. The same exact operation playing out again through the Bidens. Rob Walker's the bagman, and it's working out of Little Rock again um, with a Little Rock, his LLC having a Little Rock address. So you see how it's just really the same operation, right? Uh, but people who were involved in China, the China Gate scandal, namely Ron Brown and Mark Middleton, have been Arkansas. I mean, that's how serious this is. They yeah. did not want top accomplices in China Gate, namely the Clintons, exposed. So Ron Brown uh, was the head of the Commerce Department when China Gate was going down. And um, he was, they were selling seats on trade missions in exchange for a donation to Clinton's 1996 campaign. Meanwhile, Judicial Watch was on top of the Clinton China Gate scandal, and there was this court case to obtain FOIA documents on China Gate and Chinese espionage at the Commerce Department. And Ron Brown was scheduled to provide a deposition. That same week that he died in a plane crash with a gunshot wound to his head. 
Okay. Autopsy confirmed gunshot wound to the head. So the plane crash didn't even do it. It was the gunshot first and then let's cover it up with the plane crash. Right. But just prior to his death, he told people, if I go down, I'm taking everyone down with me. And they weren't going to let that happen. Right. Can we just Arkansas the Clintons? I mean, that would just be down. <laughs> then no more Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Good oh Lord. Yeah, well, John Wong <laughs> was another character from this little rock circle with ties to Chinese intelligence that Clinton appointed to the Commerce Department. Again, Commerce Department was a major hotbed for this whole operation. He had top secret security clearance. You know, I should use this this visual aid here. This is John Wong here. He had top secret security clearance. He was getting weekly CIA briefings, meanwhile meeting with Chinese officials. And then he went on to work for the DNC, steering millions to the Clintons for Chinese access and influence. And guess who was working at the Commerce Department during Chinagate? None other than Hunter Biden. (laughs) It's not a coincidence. He and his friend Kathy Chung were working at the Commerce Department during the 1990s when Chinagate's going down. Kathy Chung just happened to be the administrator tasked with handling Judicial Watch's FOIA case. You remember that FOIA case I just talked about Ron Brown got killed over? Same case. Kathy Chung's the administrator responsible for handling Judicial Watch's FOIA request in which the Commerce Department was sanctioned for withholding and destroying the China Kate documents at the Commerce Department to cover up (laughs) John Wong's espionage operation out of the commerce department and then you know it was hunter she did such a great job that hunter recommended her to be joe biden's gatekeeper she made she made the arrangements for hunter biden's trip to china to to, sorry to china with vp biden she sent hunter an email of all the top politicians including the clintons just as hunter's preparing to meet with cefc executives And once Hunter was fully embedded with the Chinese intelligence front group, CEFC, it was Kathy Chung who was the person responsible for moving those classified Biden documents to unsecured locations like in Chinatown before they ended up at the at the Chinese funded Penn Biden Center. Mm. Good Lord. While CE and Hunter has access to these documents, while CEFC is simultaneously funneling millions to the Bidens. So we got Rob Walker, we got Kathy Chung. These are characters that played roles during Chinagate, went on to have roles during the Biden bribery scheme. But there's another recurring character, and that's Louis Free. Um, so during Clinton's Chinagate, Louis Free was uh, Clinton's FBI director. Uh, Free was critical of Clinton and the Chinagate scandal to the public, okay? To the public, he was critical, calling for a special counsel, but behind the the scenes, Hmm. when it really came down to the investigation, he ultimately deferred to the Clinton's Attorney General, Janet Reno, to run the task force that was a a total joke, total cover-up. of the top accomplices including the clintons and covered up the worst crimes including espionage and treason inside the commerce department so that's your fbi director during this whole china gate scandal 
FBI Director Free went on to become a close associate, associate, uh, business associate to Hunter Biden. Okay, um, they they worked together on certain operations, and while direct, uh, while Lewis Free was directing uh, large sums of monies money to the Bidens in exchange for favorable business deals. So, but what's more interesting even still is that we've had another whistleblower come out recently in the last month or so. I mean, he's actually given statements before, but the the latest statement he's given about a month ago, uh, he put a video out um, talking about um, his experience um, with CEFC, his knowledge of the Biden corruption, of CEFC's corruption of the Bidens. And this whistleblower gal Luft apparently believes that the Clinton era FBI director Lewis Free is Hunter Biden's mole named One Eye. And so this hmm. mole that Hunter Biden had uh, that had connections with the FBI tipped off CEFC executives prior to Patrick Ho's arrest um, on the FBI's espionage investigation of them. So Lewis Free, I have to say, um, denies these accusations. And I have to say that to cover my ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's publicly denied that he is the, the mole. The one-eyed one mole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, apparently the whistleblower gal left believes it's him. So um, there are uh, other connections, a wealth of other connections um, in this report, namely uh, that link the Bidens and the Clintons, namely the CEFC Rosneff deal and the UN bribery scandal. Um, and so the Clintons have connections to both of those as well that I get into in this report. And um, I think that when you read through this, you have beyond a shadow of a doubt um, that the Clintons are involved in the same operation as the Bidens. I don't think pe- many people would have questioned that even before this report, but this report n- makes new uh, connections as far as the very possible connection between CEFC and the Chinese compromise of Hillary's emails, as well as China's ability to identify and assassinate U.S. spies. But the Clintons are so deeply involved in this bribery scheme as the Bidens that Hillary had to show her ugly mug on Rachel Maddow this week to cackle like the witch that she is about how she got away with it while they're persecuting Trump. Did you see that? I did not see that. Do you have a clip? Yeah, it's about three minutes long if you want me to run it. Um, I think we should. Okay, all right, let's go for it. It gives, it gives more context. Yeah, I yeah. want to see it. Yeah. All over the country right now, people are wondering what Hillary Rodham Clinton is thinking, (laughs) watching things unfold in Georgia. She is the former Democratic presidential nominee, U.S. Senator from New York and Secretary of State. I should tell you, she has a new essay out in The Atlantic on the well-being of Americans and our democracy. It's called The Weaponization of Loneliness. 
Madam Secretary, fancy meeting you oh, here. Oh, I it's can't really nice believe this. <laughs> yeah, this is not the circumstances in which I expected to be talking to you. Nor me, Rachel. It's always good to talk to you, but honestly, um, I didn't think that it would be under these circumstances. Yet another set of indictments. This is something, um, this is becoming like a skill set. Like in yeah. the news business, you say like, oh, I've covered Olympics or yeah. I've covered a campaign. Now it's, you know, those of us who've covered four indictments. Um, I don't know if four is it. We don't know if Donald Trump is among those indicted this mm -hmm. evening, but all expectations are that he will be. Do you feel satisfaction in that you warned the country essentially that he was going to try to end democracy but the most of the country didn't believe you well it's hard to believe i i don't feel any satisfaction i feel great uh you know just just great profound sadness that uh, we have a former president who has been indicted uh, for so many uh charges that went right to the heart of whether or not our democracy would survive and we don't know yet what the charges coming out of Georgia are, but if you stop and think about what the public evidence is, and you've been talking about some of that for the last hour, uh, he set out to defraud the United States of America and uh, the citizens uh, of our nation. He used tactics of uh, harassment, intimidation. Uh, he made threats. He and his allies uh, went after state officials, local officials responsible for conducting elections. Now we know they even went into voting machines uh, in order to, uh, you know, determine whether or not those uh, voting machines had somehow been breached when they were the ones actually doing the breaching. So uh, there is a, a great deal already in the public record. We'll wait to see what the indictments themselves say, because clearly this investigation has been very thorough. Um, but I don't know that anybody should be satisfied. This this is. Uh, a terrible moment for our country to have uh, a former president accused of these uh, terribly uh, important crimes. The only satisfaction may be that the system is working, mm. uh, that all of the efforts by Donald Trump, his allies and his enablers to try to silence uh, the truth, to try to undermine uh, democracy, uh, have been brought into uh, the light. and. Justice is being pursued. Well, that was pretty much about what I expected there. She has profound sadness. It's a terrible moment for our country, and the system is finally working. Right, right. Everything <laughs> that comes out of this woman is a lie. Yep. And, it, and it's it's so demonic because it's like actually the inverse of the truth. It's not just a lie, a random lie. It's the exact right. opposite of the truth. Right. Um, just like they transpose their crimes onto other people and accuse other people of the crimes they themselves have committed. And I think some people are so sick, so sick of seeing injustice in this country and especially with the latest indictments of Donald Trump, and I get it, um, people are like, well, what do we do about it? They've just completely lost faith in the justice system that's been weaponized against us and in favor of the real criminal criminal enterprise running our government. And I and I get that sentiment. I understand that sentiment. Um, but, you know, what's happening right now to Donald Trump isn't just an attempt to stop Trump in 2024 
it's really an attempt to silence us to put us in a state of fear that that same right. weapon those same weaponized agencies are going to come after us for speaking out and questioning right. their thefts of elections all their corruption and i think the remedy to that is just the opposite of backing down the remedy is to go on offense no longer playing defense we have got to go on offense we have got to go after this the criminals in our government we have to speak out even louder we have to get the truth out like this report right here we have to hold the elected leaders accountable especially at the state level you and i are always talking about the state level the state level has power see look what they're doing in georgia to Trump, why aren't Republican attorneys general going after this criminal and the real criminal enterprise in their respective states? Um, and we have to pressure. We have to pressure our state representatives, the AGs, to do something now because we can't sit back. Um, we're really, I think, on the brink of losing the republic. And we have to take yeah. a stand now or there's going to be nothing left to save. Right. And yep. so it's going to require a lot of bravery from all of us. I think that this, what is happening right now with the targeting of Trump and all of the people around him and this, the, it's having a chilling effect and people are afraid to speak out. They're afraid to get uh, vocal and get active um, about rooting out corruption, about preserving our constitution and all of our freedoms and rights. But right now is the exact moment to do the opposite, to to be courageous and mm -hmm. speak out and do something because I, I don't know that there's much time left. If we don't do something now, I think time's up. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree on many fronts. Um, they're, they're coming at it hard, you know, they're, I mean, their intimidation tactics you know, we saw this with uh, what they're doing with the people from January 6th. Absolutely horrific. We've seen it with, you know, FBI busting down people's doors. We've seen videos of this happening in multiple countries, not just here. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, we now see, you know, in addition to the climate crisis, where they're going to try and roll out all kinds of emergency laws and control mechanisms, we see the UN constantly day after day hitting on uh, misinformation and hate speech. So we know that they're going to try to move on more policies and regulations, probably across the internet to start when it comes to that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. We, um, we have to keep fighting on, on this front and while fighting people need to focus on, farming and food and community because they're yes. coming hard for our food supply. Yeah. I would say the latter that you just said actually should be the former. I mean, so yep. yeah, take care of yourself, take care of yep. your loved ones, work on self-sufficiency and then start moving outwards into community, how you can make a positive change and part of that is holding your elected officials locally and state officials um, accountable, right? And they're supposed to be advocating for you in fighting back, right? Not just playing defense to protect us, but right. fight, but going on offense to fight against all the corruption and root it out. Right, right. especially on the financial end. 
with uh, FedNow being tested right now in multiple banks, I think it's like over a hundred banks. Um, that's yeah, man, they are just rolling stuff out fast edge. I know. I know. It makes your head spin. It does. It's on a swivel constantly. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> or we're here to experience it all with you guys. I would and like hopefully... a gold plated swivel for my head, please. <laughs> so when I need money, I've got some gold I can use. Yeah. So, and hopefully that this podcast provides you with both insight and encouragement to keep plugging along, to keep going, to keep fighting. And doing what you need to do to survive in this crazy wild world we're in. But thanks, guys, for watching Dig It today. Please share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. No longer on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to our other platforms. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.